Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware, we have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit, but frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to Just Keep Rolling, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Ellen, my co-host is Katie, and like Hagrid's dad dove into Hagrid's mom, let's just dive right into this episode. What? Oh man, I did not need that. Ew. You're welcome. (sighs) Let's just keep rolling into the rolling rehash. Last week we covered the first half of chapter 24, Rita Skeeter's scoop, and the corresponding film scenes that actually corresponded to other parts of the book, slash, kind of just not at all. The physics of giant human cross-pollination baffled all of us. Harry felt the chill from Parvati's cold shoulder and finally realized that he may not have been the best Yule Ball date. Rita Skeeter was invited to engage in some extreme gynecological sports due to her sensationalized writing, which strongly resembled bovine fecal matter. Cedric's idea of returning the favor was more of a Sunday New York Times crossword clue than Harry would have liked. Professor Grubbly Plank took over for Hagrid and got on the female students' good sides right off the bat with a lesson on unicorns. The movie, however, decided that None of this is important and just throws in some more of the same, plus the word loquacious for no good reason. Cue every Potterhead looking up the word. (laughs) During episode 93, Spelunking with Fred Wolfa, our Potter ponderings were, how do you feel about the movie revisiting Harry's dream from the beginning of the film? And also, if you felt like Spelunking, how in the hell did Hagrid's dad and mom bang? Hi, this is Quincy. You know what? I'm going to keep this one short and sweet. I feel like the movie revisiting Harry's dream from the beginning of the movie is a waste of my fucking time. It's like you spent all this time focusing on this fucking dream that you couldn't really add the things that needed to be in this movie. You know, just thinking, just spitballing, you know. You could have expanded on the challenges. You could have showed more animals. You could have seen the blast in the fruit, but no. You want to spend all this time on a fucking dream that you already focused on. I'm confused. I I don't know. Maybe I'm being nitpicky. Maybe, you know, I'm just overthinking it. But it really bugged my soul. Like, it really made my skin crawl. Now, as far as Hagrid's dad and mom, I would imagine, like, a bungee cord situation. Maybe he just used his whole arm. I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out giant anatomy versus regular human anatomy. Is it like going inside of a wet cave? Is it like... I don't know, sitting inside of a wet sleeping bag, just spitballing. I don't know. Y'all can have that one. That's kind of nasty. Hey, this is Robert Griffey answering the pondering. I don't mind it so much, but the biggest thing I don't like is David Tennant being present when he wasn't there in the books. Also, Haggard's dad and mom, kind of weird. 
I feel like Mr. Haggard took his wand to engorgio his dick, and he tried his best to make the giant task rip up as many trees as possible. Hi there, it's Carly here. I am recording this against my better judgment to talk about Hagrid's dad having to spelunk into his mother. <laughs> it's so gross. Uh, oh, God. It's just horrible. Okay. Um, I'm going to say I don't like the imagery that somehow we created, but here we are. As far as them revisiting Harry's dream, I think it's them pulling the old theater trick, like thinking your audience is stupid to make sure you re-explain everything a thousand times so that they can figure it out. And then I went back and thought about spelunking again, so that's gross. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> it's horrible. Oh, my God. Hi guys, Jackson from Australia here. So I guess for the film version, revisiting Harry's dream made sense, but yeah, it doesn't sit well with me. I would have honestly preferred the book, you know, them reading Rita Skeeter's quote unquote article, aka gutter journalism about Hagrid. And I don't even want to think about Hagrid's mum and dad doing it. No way, no how. Thank you so much to our keepers who called in to share your thoughts. We love hearing your voices. And thank you to those of you that responded on our Facebook page too. Y'all have such great thoughts and we love that you share them with us. Definitely. Our trivia question last week was, in the book, what year of school was Hagrid in when his father died? Hagrid tells Harry, Ron, and Hermione that his dad was dead chuffed that he got into Hogwarts and mentions that he is glad he never saw him expelled since he died during his second year. Congratulations goes to Sammy Adams! Woohoo! She's keeping the streak going, now at three weeks in a row. I think she's in this for the long haul. We'll see. For now, let's just keep rolling into the second half of Chapter 24. Rita Skeeter Scoop. And that's it, because there are absolutely no corresponding film scenes. Chapter 24, Rita Skeeter's Scoop, Part 2. Halfway through January, there's another Hogsmeade visit, and Hermione is surprised that Harry is planning on going, figuring he would have wanted to take advantage of the quiet common room to work on the egg. Harry lies, claiming he reckons he's got a pretty good idea what it's about, and Hermione looks impressed, telling him well done. Harry feels a little guilty, but he ignores it, reminding himself that he still has five weeks to work out that egg clue, and hoping there's a chance he could run into Hagrid in Hogsmeade. He, Ron, and Hermione leave the castle together on Saturday, and as they pass the Durmstrang ship, they see Victor Crumb emerge on deck in swimming trunks. Harry thinks he's mad when they watch him dive right into the freezing water. Hermione thinks it might feel warm to him since it's colder where he is from. And Ron hopefully mentions the giant squid, causing Hermione to frown and insist that Crumb is really nice, despite being from Durmstrang. 
Ron doesn't say anything and Harry scans the streets for signs of Hagrid, suggesting they go into the three broomsticks when he doesn't see him. The pub is crowded as ever, but Hagrid is not there and Harry gloomily orders his butterbeer, thinking he should have just stayed behind and worked on the egg after all. Hermione notices Ludo Bagman in the corner with a group of goblins and wonders if he ever goes into the office. And Harry thinks that it's really odd that he's in Hogsmeade on a weekend when there is no Triwizard event. Bagman looks extremely strained until he notices Harry when he grins and tells the goblins he'll be back in a bit. He heads over to Harry and mentions that he was hoping to run into him, asking him for a private word. As Ron and Hermione head to find a table, Harry follows Bagman to the end of the bar furthest from Madame Rosmerda. Once there, Bagman congratulates him again on his splendid performance against the Horntail, and doesn't seem in any real rush to get to the real reason he wants to talk to Harry, who knows that he could have congratulated him in front of Ron and Hermione. Harry notices Bagman glance nervously back at the goblins and asks him what they want. Bagman says they're looking for Barty Crouch and then confesses that he doesn't know where he is because he just stopped going to work and his assistant Percy says he's ill and sending in instructions by Owl. He asks Harry not to mention anything about it because Rita Skeeter is still poking around and would likely try to turn it into something sinister and say he's gone missing, like Bertha Jorkins. Harry wonders if there's any news about Bertha and Bagman says he has people looking but there is no word. She definitely arrived in Albania, but has since vanished. He then finally changes the subject to get to the point of wanting to speak privately with Harry and asks him how he's getting on with his golden egg. Harry tells him that he isn't doing too bad, but Bagman seems to realize he isn't being truthful and offers to help him out, since he feels bad that he was thrown into the tournament. Harry casually mentions that they're supposed to work out the clues alone, and Bagman agrees but says they all want a Hogwarts victory. When Harry asks if he's offered to help Cedric, too, Bagman admits that he hasn't and explains that he has taken a liking to Harry. Uncomfortable by the situation, Harry declines his offer and insists that he's nearly there with the egg. Bagman looks like he wants to argue, but they're interrupted by the arrival of Fred and George, who offer to buy him a drink. The twins look disappointed when Bagman says no and hurries out of the pub, soon followed by the goblins. Harry rejoins Ron and Hermione and fills them in on what he talked about with the tournament judge. Hermione is shocked that he would do that, also wondering if he's offering Cedric as much help, which Harry confirms he isn't. Ron doesn't really care, so Hermione changes the subject to comment on the goblins. Harry explains they are supposedly looking for Barty Crouch, who is still ill and hasn't been into work. Ron jokes that Percy's probably poisoning him, and Hermione gives him a don't joke about that look, before commenting on how weird it is that goblins would be looking for Crouch. Harry thinks they maybe need an interpreter, and Ron asks Hermione if she's now worrying about poor Ickle goblins and thinking of starting up Spug, Society for the Protection of Ugly Goblins. Hermione gives a sarcastic ha-ha-ha and points out that goblins don't need protection because they are very clever and capable of sticking up for themselves, unlike house elves. Ron then notices that Rita Skeeter has just entered the bar with her photographer, buying drinks and making their way to a table near the trios. They can hear them speculating about why Ludo Bagman did not seem keen to talk to them, and Harry loudly speaks up to comment on how she's trying to ruin someone else's life. 
Unfazed, Rita is delighted to see Harry and invites him to join them. Harry refuses and furiously asks her why she wrote that article about Hagrid. She starts to respond with a comment about her readers deserving the truth, but Harry cuts her off to shout that there's nothing wrong with Hagrid. The whole pub is silent, and Rita pulls out her quick quotes quill and asks Harry for an interview about Hagrid and their unlikely friendship, wondering if he would call him a father substitute. At this point, Hermione stands and tells her that she is a horrible woman who doesn't care and will do anything for a story, no matter who it hurts, even Ludo Bagman. Skeeter coldly calls her a silly little girl and tells her that she knows things about Bagman that would make her hair curl, not that it needs it. In response, Hermione just beckons Harry and Ron to leave with her. They walk out with many people staring at them and Harry glances back to see Rita's quill zooming back and forth over a piece of parchment. Ron warns Hermione that she will be after her next, but Hermione defiantly declares for her to try, and insists that she will show her that she is not just a silly little girl. Ron continues to try to convince her that she shouldn't mess with the reporter, but Hermione is fervently insisting that she can't scare her into hiding, and continues striding along, saying that Hagrid isn't going to hide anymore either. She begins running back to Hogwarts and straight to Hagrid's cabin. The curtains are still drawn, but they can hear Fang barking, so she starts pounding on his front door, insisting that he let them in because no one cares that his mum was a giantess, and he can't let that foul Skeeter woman do this to him. As she continues to beat on the door and yell for him to come out, the door opens. She starts to say it's about time, but stops when she finds herself face to face with Albus Dumbledore. The headmaster greets them with a good afternoon, and when Hermione meekly says that they want to see Hagrid, his eyes twinkle as he says he surmised as much. He invites them in, and they find Hagrid sitting at his table, looking a real mess. His face is blotchy, his eyes are swollen, and his hair looks like a wig of tangled wire. Harry says hi to him, and when Hagrid hoarsely returns the greeting, Dumbledore magics more tea onto the table and asks Hagrid if he by chance heard what Miss Granger was shouting. Hermione turns pink, but Dumbledore continues speaking, saying that Hermione, Harry, and Ron still seem to want to know him, judging by the way they were attempting to break down the door. Harry jumps on this and tells Hagrid that of course they still want to know him, reassuring him that they don't care about anything that Skeeter cow would write about him. Hagrid tears up and Dumbledore mentions all the letters that he got from parents who remember him fondly. Hagrid points out that they don't all want him to stay, and Dumbledore tells him that he will be in his cabin for a long time if he is looking for universal popularity, using all the letters he has gotten complaining about how he runs the school as an example. Hagrid croaks that he isn't half-giant, and Harry speaks up again to remind him who he has as relatives. Hermione quietly tells Hagrid to come back and teach. They really miss him, and Dumbledore stands, saying he refuses to accept his resignation and that he expects him to return to work on Monday and join him for breakfast in the Great Hall at 8.30. No excuses. He leaves and Hagrid begins to sob, calling the headmaster a great man as Hermione pats his arm. Ron asks if he can have one of the cakes and Hagrid tells him to help himself. He pulls himself together after that and comments that his dad would have been ashamed of how he was behaving, then gets up to get a picture of his dad out of his dresser to show the trio. 
The picture shows a small man sitting on top of Hagrid's shoulder. He is already a good seven or eight feet tall, though he hardly looked any older than eleven years old. Hagrid tells them that it was taken just after he got into Hogwarts, and his dad was so pleased that he got in, worried he wouldn't be a wizard because of his mum. He admits that he was never great at magic, and grateful that he never saw him expelled, since he died during his second year. He tells them that Dumbledore was the one who stuck up for him and got him the gamekeeper job, because he trusts people and gives them second chances. He knows that people can turn out okay even if their families aren't, even if some don't understand that. He continues on saying that some would prefer to pretend that they just had big bones, rather than stand up and say that they aren't ashamed, and that his dad always told him never to be ashamed. Some will hold it against you, but they aren't to be bothered with. Hagrid says his dad was right and calls himself an idiot, saying that he won't be bothering with her no more. Harry, Ron, and Hermione look at one another, hoping they don't have to admit that they overheard him talking to Madame Maxime. But Hagrid continues talking, oblivious that he had said anything odd. He tells Harry that when he first met him, he kind of reminded him of himself. But look at him now. School champion. He says that he would love it if Harry could win it, saying it would show them all that Dumbledore is right and you don't have to be a pureblood to do it, and asks how Harry is doing with that egg. Harry tells him that he's doing really great, and when Hagrid smiles and tells him to show them and beat them all, Harry feels worse about lying to Hagrid than anyone else. He goes back to the castle later that afternoon and decides that it is finally time to shelve his pride and see if Cedric's hint is worth anything. As there are no film scenes, we are just going to dive right into discussing the book chapter, or this half of the book chapter, I should say, mm -hmm. since we did the first half last week. So we learned that mid-January is the next Hogsmeade visit, and Hermione just assumes that Harry's going to stay behind to work on solving the egg, because that's what she would have done. And obviously Harry always does what Hermione would have done in any situation, so, you know, yeah. Not really, though, because instead he's all about going to Hogsmeade because he's hoping that he'll run into Hagrid there and he's just not even thinking about the egg at all. I mean, he does have a lot of things on his mind at the moment. But to stop Hermione from nagging him, he tells her that he's actually got a pretty good idea what it's about. And Hermione somehow actually believes that. <laughs> she actually thinks he solved it on his own and gives him an impressed well done. What a fucking liar. <laughs> And this makes Harry feel a little guilty, but not enough to tell the truth. He just reminds himself that he still has more than a month to figure out the egg clue. I wouldn't feel bad either. Like, not at all. But we do know you like your excuses. What? Me? I gotta go. Um, <laughs> my dog is sick. What? This is where you remind me I don't have a dog. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... <laughs> the trio head out to Hogsmeade on that Saturday, and on their trek, they pass the Durmstrang ship, where they notice a swimsuit-clad Victor Crumb dive off the boat into the freezing water. Oh, hell no. Uh-uh. That shit's cold. Hermione thinks that this brisk January weather might feel warm to him since he's from an even colder climate. So she is just too for dumb, this chapter. She kind of is, really. Then there's Ron, who's not even thinking about the cold. He's instead focusing on the hope that the giant squid might get him. 
which prompts Hermione to stick up for Crumb, saying he's really nice, even if he is from Durmstring. And, you know, can't even read. (laughs) Ron opts to keep his mouth shut, again, showing some personal growth we wouldn't typically expect from him. I'm not sure what to do with that. Right? Makes you feel a little weird, if I'm honest. Just a little, though. Just a little. Kind of proud of him. Yeah. And then there's Harry, who isn't even paying attention at all because he's too busy looking for Hagrid. So Harry has turned into Ron and Ron has turned into Harry. For the moment. Yeah. When he doesn't see him at all, he suggests going to the three broomsticks because he might be in there drinking. It's Hagrid. Very true. Loves himself a pint. Or seven. (laughs) They look around the crowded pub and don't see Hagrid, though Hermione does notice Ludo Bagman in the corner with a group of goblins. She wonders if he ever does his job. And Harry thinks it's strange that he's in Hogsmeade on a non-Triwizard event weekend. I'm not even entirely sure what Ludo Bagman's job is, so... I mean, who's to say he's not doing it? He could be. Yeah. Maybe he can work remotely. Exactly. It's a business luncheon. And it very well could be, because at this moment he looks extremely strained. But then he sees Harry and grins and tells the goblins he'll be right back. I gotta go drop some names, huh? (laughs) He makes his way over to Harry and says that he was hoping to find him there because he wants a private word. Ron and Hermione go to find themselves a table, and Harry follows Bagman to the end of the bar opposite Madame Rosmerda. Can't have all them extra ears listening in. Apparently not. Apparently. Very secretive. Yeah. He first congratulates Harry again on his splendid performance against the Horntail, and starts to make other small talk, as Harry wonders what he wants, since Bagman could have said any of that in front of his friends or Madame Rosmerda. Mm-hmm. He's not very good with the intros, is he? No. Dude's a little awkward. Mm-hmm. Too many bludgers to the head, probably. Yeah. Harry then catches Bagman glancing nervously towards the goblins and asks him what they want. Bagman claims they're looking for Barty Crouch, who's just completely stopped going to work, so apparently it's an epidemic. Obviously. Then don't go to work epidemic. Yes. (laughs) His assistant, Percy, a.k.a. Weatherby, insists that he's ill and is sending in instructions by Owl. Oh yes, he's ill, quote-unquote. That's a word for hangover I've never heard. (laughs) My husband actually has a very interesting pondering When we were mentioning how funny it is that Crouch calls Percy Weatherby, Mm -hmm. it made him wonder if Percy actually said his name was Weatherby instead of Weasley to distance himself from his father and his family while at work. Ooh. You know, I like that. It kind of seems like something he'd do. It definitely smacks of Percy. Never thought about it before, but... Right? Isn't that interesting? Gosh, that husband of yours asking all the right questions, isn't he? Very often, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Bagman asks Harry not to say anything about Crouch because Rita Skeeter is still nosing into things and would absolutely make a thing out of it, like she did with Bertha Jorkins. Harry wants to know if there's an update on Bertha, and Bagman's like, well, I have people looking for her. Finally. <laughs> but so far, there's no word. She definitely arrived in Albania since she met up with her second cousin there, but after that, she went south to visit an aunt and just Poof, disappeared along the way. That sounds perfectly healthy and normal and nothing to be worried about at all. Yeah, I don't think that Rita was making a thing out of it. I think it's a thing. Yeah. Now, knowing Rita, she very well could have exaggerated the thing. 
I mean, she could be making a totally different thing than what it actually is. That's entirely possible, too. Yeah. But anyway, Bagman finally gets to the point and asks Harry how he's doing with his golden egg. Harry again pretends that he's got it pretty well solved, but Bagman is apparently more skeptical than Hermione because he doesn't believe him. He offers to help him out with it, claiming that he feels bad that Harry was thrown into the tournament. I mean, there's a lot of other things he could have done for Harry aside from this if he really felt bad. It's fishy. Mm-hmm. Harry tries to nonchalantly point out that he's supposed to solve it himself, and Bagman counters that he knows, but they all want a Hogwarts victory. So Harry's like, well, are you offering to help Cedric too? And Bagman's like, well, no, I've just taken a liking to you. Fuck Cedric. <laughs> Such a sound creepy. <laughs> I've taken a liking to you, Harry. Ew. The underdog. Mm. But is he the underdog? Technically, yeah. He has like three years less training than all of them. Yes, but he has, like, three times more experience in getting out of deadly shit. With the help of his friends. Who Harry is totally cool with helping him cheat. I would say, which he still has. <laughs> but not during the actual task, just in preparation of it. He didn't have Ron and Hermione with him when he got to where the Sorcerer's Stone was. Yeah, but he wouldn't have even gotten there without them. And let's be honest, was it skill that got him out of that situation? It was kind of just luck. I mean, isn't that just the books? <laughs> <laughs> Expelliarmus and pray. Basically, yeah. But like I said, Harry's totally cool with letting his friends help him cheat. But the idea of taking help from one of the judges makes him uncomfortable. So he turns him down, again insisting that he's basically got it figured out anyways. Bagman looks like he wants to argue, but he doesn't get a chance because Gret and Ford show up and offer to buy him a drink. A drink that Bagman immediately turns down and hurries out of the pub and is then closely followed by the goblins. So that seems super fishy. I would say super sketch. Super, super sketch. Yeah. <laughs> Harry joins Ron and Hermione at their table and tells them Bagman offered to help him with the egg. Hermione is shocked that Bagman is willing to cheat and also wonders if he's offered Cedric help too. Harry lets her know that he asked that question as well and he isn't. Well, I am just scandalized. And then there's Ron who's just completely <laughs> indifferent to whether or not Cedric's getting help. He's just like, Cedric who? Fuck Cedric. <laughs> so Hermione starts talking about the goblins instead. Harry tells them that they're apparently looking for Barty Crouch, who still hasn't been going to work. And Ron jokes that Percy's been poisoning him. I wouldn't put it past him. If the shoe fits. You know, he does know his brother. No one can say he doesn't. Hermione clearly doesn't think this is funny, but instead chooses to comment on how odd it is that the goblins are looking for Crouch. Harry wonders if maybe they're looking for an interpreter, and Ron asks Hermione if she's now worrying about poor Ickle Goblins and thinking of starting up Spug, Society for the Protection of Ugly Goblins. Which was our trivia question from two weeks ago, because we didn't originally realize we were gonna need to split chapter 24 into two parts. Yep, but it was a long chapter. It really is. I just thought that without movie scenes so much it wouldn't be necessary, but there is just a lot to talk about. Right. 
Anyway, Hermione just sarcastically says, ha ha ha. Though she can't resist also pointing out that goblins don't need any protection because they're very clever and don't have any issues sticking up for themselves. Unlike house elves. Wow. That's kind of a dig at house elves. Shit. I don't think she meant it as a dig. They really don't stand up for themselves. I know, but I mean, it just... Like, look at Dobby. He closes his own hands in the oven. Well, all right. Yeah. Poor Dobby. Oddly enough, they are saved by Rita Skeeter from this conversation. That's weird. Ron sees her come into the bar with her photographer and points her out as she buys drinks and they make their way to a table that's not far from them. Huh. They're loudly speculating about why Ludo Bagman didn't want to talk to them. Because why would he? Right. And hot-headed Harry loudly asks if she's trying to ruin someone else's life. Ooh, burn. No, this has zero effect on Rita, who's simply delighted to see Harry and invites him to join them. Oh, of course. Naturally, Harry refuses and furiously yells at her about the article she wrote about Hagrid. I mean, bitch has it coming. That's for damn sure. Especially since she starts to reply with some bullshit about her readers deserving the truth. But hot-headed Harry cuts her off and shouts that there's nothing wrong with him! If her readers deserve the truth, then they shouldn't be reading her. You know what I'm saying? The truth is, Rita Skeeter is a cunt. Facts. But when Harry yells, the whole pub goes silent, and Rita pulls out her quick quotes quill and asks Harry for an interview about Hagrid and their unlikely friendship, wondering if she would call him a father substitute. Because she's trash. Which Hermione essentially says as much as she stands up and calls her a horrible woman who will do anything for a story no matter who it hurts. Which, not wrong. Oh, I hate her. Oh, I hate her too. She's awful. Mm -hmm. But just for the record, uncle. He is the fun uncle. Funkle. Funkle Hagrid. She starts to bring up Ludo Bagman and Trash Skeeter coldly calls her a silly little girl and tells her that she knows things about Bagman that would make her hair curl. Not that she needs it. Though maybe she should tell it to movie Hermione? Right? Because her hair does need curl. It needs frizz is what it needs. Hermione ignores her, not dignifying that bullshit with a response, and summons Harry and Ron to leave with her. They walk out, with all eyes on them, and Harry glances back to see Rita's quills zooming back and forth over a piece of parchment. Because you know bitch has something to say about this. All of the awful somethings. Mm-hmm. Ron tries to warn Hermione that Trash Rita is going to be after her next, but Hermione does not give a shit. She's like, let the bitch come at me. Just let her come at me, let her try, and I will show her that I am not just a silly little girl. And I kind of love the badassness. Oh, Hermione is totally badass. She is. She very much is. I wish the movie would have made her more badass and less cringy annoying. Less bitchy? That too. <laughs> but yeah, she's totally badass. She's like, let the bitch come. I'll show her. Uh-huh. Ron continues to try. He's like, but really, you shouldn't. And Hermione's just, nah. uh You can't scare me into hiding. And you know what? Hagrid's not hiding either, because this is some bullshit. So Hermione just goes right in and storms right towards Hagrid's hut. I totally love this moment, too. Yeah. Because she's like, that woman's a bitch. I'm not putting up with this, and neither is Hagrid. Mm -hmm. Let's go. 
Like, I love it. She's made up Hagrid's mind already. And you know what? She's right. She is. So yeah, she goes right for Hagrid's cabin. And of course, the curtains are still drawn because Hagrid's in his like cocoon of depression, which understandable. But they can hear Fang barking. So she starts just like pounding on the door, insisting that he let them in because nobody gives a shit that his mom was a giantess and he can't let that stupid cunt Skeeter do this to him because that's some bullshit. So she keeps beating on the door and just as it opens, she's all like, oh, well, about goddamn time, guy. But here there's Dumbledore standing in the doorway and she's like, oh, shit. About time. Oh, headmaster. Hi. <laughs> exactly. Fancy meeting you here. <laughs> How you doing? Dumbledore greets him with a nice, like, very Dumbledore-ish good afternoon. When Hermione just kind of meekly is like, hey, uh, is Hagrid home? And his eyes kind of give that little Dumbledore twinkle that we all know and love. And he says, yeah, I figured that much. Oh, really? Is that what you were yelling about? Makes sense as to why you're at his house. He invites them in, and they find Hagrid sitting at a table, looking like shit. He's got dumped at the prom look going. He's got a blotchy face, and his eyes are all puffy and swollen, and Harry's like, hey, guy, looking good. (laughs) Looking good, buddy. How you feeling? And Dumbledore's like, yeah, we need some tea for this. This is a two tea type of talk. Yes, definitely. Totally. (laughs) But he asks Hagrid if he heard what Hermione was shouting. And Hermione's like, oh, yeah, I was doing that, wasn't I? (laughs) When I thought it was just Hagrid and, like, you know, no one else. I love how Dumbledore handles this, though. He is just completely unfazed. Yep. And he's just like, did you by chance hear? What Hermione was shouting through the door? Yeah. She was really loud. I don't know how you could miss it. They probably heard her all the way up at the castle. But did you hear? Did you hear? She said that her and Harry and Ron, they they all still want to know you. They don't have any issue with this. They're cool. Not everybody hates you, guy. You're good. Yeah, they were ready to break down the door to get to you. Mm Mm-hmm. And they don't give a shit what that cunt was writing. They don't care. I love how in the book, Harry calls her that Skeeter cow and then just goes, oops, sorry, Professor. And Dumbledore's like, I have temporarily gone deaf and haven't any idea of what you're saying. (laughs) Like, we're over here calling the bitch a cunt. Right. And granted, we're not 14-year-old school children, but I just love the idea that cow is such a huge insult. Right. That you feel like you can't call a woman a cow in front of your headmaster, especially when she's a freaking cow. She definitely is. Yeah. Somebody needs to tell that bitch to move along. (laughs) You go right to hell. That was so bad. Anyway, Hagrid starts kind of getting misty eyed. And Dumbledore mentions all the letters that he got from parents who remember him fondly. Because I feel like most people who know Hagrid would just love him. Right? Like, how can you possibly hate Hagrid unless your name is Nazi Von Douchebag? First or second. Yeah. To think there aren't, like, generations of parents who only know that their child went to school all of these years with Hagrid being the groundskeeper. Nothing bad ever happened to them. Why would they think that he would be any danger to their kids? 
If no complaints ever happened until after this none of their business situation was leaked, mm-hmm. then there wasn't a problem. Exactly. You know, I'm willing to bet that there were more letters in favor of Hagrid than against him. I would think so, too. It's just so sad that Hagrid's like, but not everybody likes me. Oh, baby, not everyone's gonna. Yeah, especially since even Dumbledore was like, yeah, I still get hate mail. Uh Uh-huh. If you're holding out for universal popularity, you're going to be in your hut for a long ass time. Just Mm -hmm. saying. Dumbledore's wise. Oh, yeah. He knows what he's talking about. Like, not everyone is perfectly loved by everyone else. It's just a fact of life. To which, of course, Hagrid reminds Dumbledore that, well, you know, you're not half giant. And Harry speaks up again to remind him who he has as relatives. Honestly, I would rather be related to a giant than the Dursleys. Seriously. I'm just saying. Yeah. I would rather be related to a giant than Rita Skeeter. I'm sure we could pick a bunch of people. Oh, yeah. So this brings Hermione to ask Hagrid, well, almost beg him, to come back and teach because they really, really miss him. And I'm sure that Hermione's, like, gonna miss the unicorns. But let's face it, she missed Hagrid more. Oh, yeah, for sure. Mm Mm-hmm. And Dumbledore then just comes up and he's like, yeah, by the way, uh, you're not getting out of your contract. So sorry, bub. You got to keep on teaching. So that's a thing. And I expect you to be there on Monday, 8.30 a.m. sharp. Because if not, I'm coming down here and I'm kicking your ass out of bed myself. Yeah, I love that Dumbledore hears Hermione just come back and teach Hagrid. And he's like, well... There's nothing I can say that's going to convince him better than this, so peace out. (laughs) They got this. Right? Dumbledore knows when to make an exit. He also knows how to make an exit. Well, there's that too. We'll end up talking more about that in future episodes for sure. We will. Because he has some good exit moments. (laughs) But of course, this all makes Hagrid begin to sob, just like I did reading this. And (laughs) I'm sure everybody else did. Mm Mm-hmm. But he starts calling Dumbledore a great man. And Hermione pats his arm. And I just picture her little tiny hand on his big old arm. Right. I feel like she could only reach his elbow. Right. (laughs) Even with him sitting. And of course, Ron being Ron asks if he can have one of the cakes that Hagrid has there. And Hagrid, of course, tells him to help himself. I just love in that moment, Ron's like, I don't know what to say. Can I eat? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But yeah, I think that kind of pulled Hagrid back to reality a little bit because he pulls himself together after that. And he says that his dad would have been ashamed at how he was behaving, which I don't think is true, by the way. I think his dad would have loved him no matter how he reacted. But he then gets up and he shows the trio a picture of his dad that was in his dresser. And it shows a little guy sitting on top of Hagrid's shoulder. And it's just adorable. It's actually the little picture in the chapter heading. Mm-hmm. He's, like, wearing this big old big-brimmed hat, and Hagrid is, like, just this big kid. Like, it's the only way you can describe him. And I love it. And he's probably about, you know, seven or eight feet tall with a fully grown man just right there perched on his shoulder. I love it. Nice little reminiscent moment of how he was able to pick him up and put him on a dresser. Mm-hmm. Picked him up and put him on his shoulder. Yep. (laughs) Hagrid tells him that it was taken just after he had gotten into Hogwarts. And his dad was so pleased that he got in. 
because he was real scared that he wouldn't because his mom wasn't a wizard, as we know. Nope, she was a giantess. She was. He admits to them that he was never really, like, great at magic, but his dad was really still proud of him, and Hagrid was just grateful that he never saw him expelled, since he passed away during Hagrid's second year. Which was our trivia question. It was indeed! He then tells them that Dumbledore was the one that got him the gamekeeper job, because Dumbledore believes in giving people second chances, and he stuck up for Hagrid, and he knows that people can turn out okay. They aren't who their families are, you know? But a lot of people don't get that, and a lot of people suck. Which is a shame, because nobody should be judged for their family. Right? Especially if they make no outward appearance that they are anything like their family, you know? Right. But then he goes on to say that some people would prefer to just pretend that they have big boons. And, I mean, gee, I wonder who he's talking about there. Harry and Ron and Hermione know. They know. Do they know? How do they know? What? Were they dropping eaves? Well, Harry and Ron were dropping eaves. True. They were hiding in the bushes dropping eaves. True, but they didn't mean to drop the eaves. The eaves were dropped accidentally. They slipped out of their little buttery fingers. And I love that they were like, oh God, oh God. <laughs> Please don't make us have to admit we overheard. Just play dumb, play dumb, play dumb. And right. Hagrid didn't even realize he had said anything weird. So it was funny though. All right. But yeah, Hagrid just keeps on talking. And he tells Harry that when he first met him, he kind of reminded him of himself. But look at him now. School champion. You're a wizard, Harry. You're a wizard, Harry. You're a champion, Harry. You're a school champion, Harry. I love it. I love how much of a cheerleader Hagrid is. Yeah. Well, Funkle Hagrid. But he says that he would love it if Harry could win it, saying it would show them all that Dumbledore is right and you don't have to be a pureblood to do it. And asks, you know, while we're on the topic, how you doing with that egg, guy? He's been asked that question so many times this day. He has, and he's lied about it every time. Including this time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, he tells him he's doing really great. It's awesome. And, of course, when Hagrid just looks at him and smiles and tells him to show him and beat him all, Harry's just like, and now I'm an asshole. <laughs> and this is the moment where I feel bad about lying. Mm-hmm. Because it's the Hagrid. It's to Hagrid, and Hagrid is literally, like, outpouring all of this positive energy for him, even though Hagrid himself feels like shit. Right. And Harry's just there bold-faced lying. Right, and he lied to Hermione so she wouldn't nag. He lied mm -hmm. to Bagman because he was being a total creeper. But lying to Hagrid? Shame, Harry. Shame, 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 shame. Facts. But it's this shame that makes Harry go, all right, that's it. Fine. And decides that it's finally time to actually see if Cedric was dicking him around or not. <laughs> Gee, I wonder what he'll try next. Hmm. Maybe taking a bath? Hmm. Maybe. Stay tuned next week. We'll see. Mulling things over in the hot water? Perhaps that would work. So this is where we're going to end our compare and contrast section. And there wasn't really anything in the movie to compare or contrast, so... There's that, but there were a couple things that were, like, contrast-adjacent. 
compare adjacent even too. True, yeah. Like how Hermione said in the movie that Harry had told her he already worked the egg out. Mm-hmm. In the book, we actually see Harry telling her he worked the egg out. Yeah. And then she gets all huffy about him not actually finishing it. Which is next chapter, so we'll talk more about that next week. Mm-hmm. We don't get to see a Hogsmeade visit. Nope. Which also leaves out getting to see Ludo Bagman and the goblins. Mm-hmm. Though we never got to see Ludo Bagman or Goblin since the first trip to Gringotts, so... Yeah, they're not really... Don't even know what you're missing there. They're not really there, yeah. (laughs) Right. The biggest thing that was missing was the entire absence of the controversy surrounding Hagrid being half-giant. Yeah, I really missed that. I did too. It gave Hagrid so much more development. It really did. And it showed a different side of him, too. He's just so undeveloped as a character in the movies. Mm -hmm. And this was really like, this was Hagrid's time to shine, kind of. Yeah, the movies played him out more to be kind of a big dumb oaf. I shouldn't have said that. Right? Yeah, that was like all he ever really said. And grabbing Madame Maxime's butt. Mm -hmm. So he was a horny big oaf. (laughs) Right. But the movies didn't really show his warm and tender side. He was... Yeah. The closest it got to that was when he talked about his dad to Madame Maxime in the movie, which is not how it happened in the book. But it wasn't warm-hearted like it was in the books. And then it just led to Maxime picking snacks out of Hagrid's beard. Beard snacks. Beard snacks. Yeah, it was a strange, almost romantic moment as opposed to the moment that shows Hagrid's tenderness. Yeah, definitely. And even to be a reader, before it's like fully explained, you're like, oh, the way she's reacting, that might not be a good thing. Right. Half giant must be a bad thing if she's being really like uppity about it and denying super hard like this, you know? Whereas they never even put half giant in the movie. Yeah. Just the kind of implication that something was there. Yeah. Never said what it was. And I missed that. And I especially missed the controversy because of how much it showed us Hagrid from a different perspective. Not to mention, we got to see how great of a man Dumbledore can be, too. Mm -hmm. Because he can sometimes be a controversial character as well. And it's nice seeing him through Hagrid's eyes because he's clearly a hero to Hagrid. Mm -hmm. Oh, Hagrid definitely looks up to him, for sure. And you get that in the movie, but you don't get why. Like, you don't see it for yourself. Mm -hmm. To where it almost just looks like blind following from Hagrid. Right. And there's very good reason for it that doesn't get explained well enough in the movies. Very true. So I was bummed this chapter was left out. Yeah. And then later on, spoiler alert, when Dumbledore sends Hagrid to go talk to the giants, I'm just realizing in the movie, they never explain why Hagrid is chosen to go talk to the giants. Yeah, we'll definitely be talking more about that when we get there but woo plot hole right oh and then his half brother when grop shows up and you're just like wait what yeah plot hole (laughs) why is his half brother so much bigger than he is and again we've read the book so we know why but this is all the lead up to it that you don't get i mean that's the sixth movie which is just a dumpster fire anyway so well yes let's go back to the fourth book and movie which is where we are now Yes. And we'll talk about that later. I just, I'm missing the setup now and I'm upset yeah. about it. <laughs> it's funny how some of these things I never really think about until we started looking into it in more depth. Mm-hmm. And kind of trying to see the movies through the eyes of someone who hadn't read it before. Yeah. 
But I think this would make a good pondering. I'd love to know what our keepers think about how this whole part was left out about Hagrid. Definitely. As there were no movie sections, there are no actors to talk about. Not so much. We're just going to jump right ahead to our Potter pondering. Mm-hmm. Which is... How do you feel about the movie leaving out Rita Skeeter's article about Hagrid and all of the aftermath of how it affected him? Find the post on our Facebook page and share your thoughts. Or, or, or call us at 216-526-6792 and leave your response as a voicemail. Make sure you start off telling us your name and then go into your answer. We really look forward to reading and hearing them. And for those of you keepers that live in a different country, if you don't have WhatsApp or can't get something like that working, you can also just record it into your phone and then email it to us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com. That's how Jackson sent us his that's in this episode. Yay! I loved hearing his voice. I know, I was so excited. <laughs> this will bring us to our sorting hat story, which is from our current trivia champion... Sammy Adams. She writes, My house is Hufflepuff, but sometimes I get Ravenclaw. My wand is laurel wood with a dragon heartstring core, ten and a quarter inches, and rigid flexibility. My Patronus is an otter. <laughs> otter. <laughs> I think I was in fifth grade when I first got into Harry Potter. I felt like I had read every other book in the house, and I was searching for something, anything, to read. I looked on my little brother's bookshelf and came across the first book. He must have gotten it for his birthday and never read it. I was enraptured. I quickly found that there were two other books out and begged my mom to get them. I devoured them and reread them all while waiting for the next book. I then got my little brother interested in the book and he read it too. In middle school, when Goblet of Fire was coming out, I had a sleepover and my friends and I went to the midnight release for the book. We rushed back home after and all stayed up late reading it. I remember the fifth book came out while my family was taking a vacation and it rained so much we couldn't do anything but stay in the house. I think it was my dad who trekked out to the store to get the book and I read it in just a few days. It's been like that ever since. Before each of the books or movies would come out, I would reread all the previous books or rewatch the movies. I feel like I grew up with the characters. They were there for me whenever I needed an escape from the big emotions of growing up. Now that I have my own kids, I'm so excited to be able to share it with them. My 10-year-old, August, is an especially big fan. He read each book and then we watched the movie after. He's the one that found the podcast and got me into it. He desperately wants to take his official sorting hat quiz. I'm trying to be a proper witch and make him wait till he's 11. On an unofficial quiz, he's Gryffindor, which I think is appropriate. Anyway, we're both so happy to be keepers and love listening to the podcast. It's been a while since I've reread the books, what with being mom to my brood of four, but listening to the podcast is so fun and makes me want to find the time to read them again soon. Aww. I like her. Right? Thank you so much for sharing your Sorting Hat story with us, Sammy. We are so excited to have you in August listening. As soon as he is officially sorted, you'll have to send us his story, too. Yes, definitely. And if any of you other keepers out there listening would like us to read your Sorting Hat story on a future episode, you can email it to us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com. 
Let us know your house, wand, Patronus, how you got into Harry Potter, and anything else that you might want to share with us. Or you can just message it to us over social media. There's that too. This week's trivia question is, when Harry looks at the Marauder's map, who does he see in Snape's office? The first one who responds with a correct answer and the code word hashtag distinctly odd will get a sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us through iTunes or Facebook. Make sure to email us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com to let us know you did, and we will get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook at JKR Podcast and Twitter and Instagram at Just Keep Rolling. Following us on Podbean at justkeeprolling.podbean.com will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. Make sure to check out our website at justkeeprolling.com and don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you would like to help us continue creating more content, you can support us as a patron and get extra perks on patreon.com slash justkeeprolling. As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated. And we also want to give a shout out to our newest patron, Marissa Slitherclaw. Yes! She just joined us as a patron not too long ago, and we're super excited to have her Mm. and really hope that she gets to start participating in stuff on Facebook because we've added her to our group and whatnot. And that's definitely one of the funnest things about having people become patrons is us getting that little extra opportunity to get to know you a little better. Yes. And some of them have just become our best friends now, and it's fantastic. I love it. I love the friendships we have made through this podcast. I really do incredible i'm loving the entire community that we've been building up yeah definitely you guys are awesome we love you (laughs) and join us next week when we talk about chapter 25 the egg in the eye and the not really corresponding film scenes thanks for listening we hope you hear us again i'm katie i'm ellen until the next time just just keep keep rolling. rolling